Yes, me, it's me, it's the ABC coming at you one last time. Now, it seems like this is the only show I'm doing today, but literally this is the third time I'm trying this because the first time the cat kind of messed it up. The second time I messed it up by not even setting the the show length, so it cut me off after 15 minutes. This time, cat's gone. The show length is at, let's see, stream left 159. So looks like I'm good. So from the sunny shores of Florida to the rainy skies of Washington and everywhere in between, from Los Angeles to Portland, Maine, you can hear me. Why is that? Because, and it's a real crazy thing, actually, because I've been wondering what's been going on with the audio. And I'm not an audio guy, right? Hold on, let me uh, let me adjust this. You, you might hear a little boom or two. But... um. I'm not an audio guy. I'm a security and medical guy. That's where my brain is. I know nothing of audio. Well, I've been wondering since I produce my own show and I really can't do anything about it, but I've been wondering what's been going on with my audio. And I learned a couple of things. And again, I had to self-teach over the course of the last week. I had to self-teach myself a lot, um, just about how BTR works, how my codec works, how my codec integrates with BTR using both Skype and Direct Connect. Well, I learned that I was missing a very important component. So I had to go out and get the component. When I got the component um, and I started using the component, then I found out that the settings that I was using was all wrong. So I had to retweak the settings again. And so when I, uh, when I integrated the settings with the component, now it seems like it wants to work the way, it, the way it's supposed to work. So this is a good thing. Um, so hopefully, and I'll see after this, if the audio quality is better, because first, the first show I used Skype, the second show I used Direct Connect, but I didn't really listen to a lot of it, because it was only 15 minutes, I I just hurried up and deleted it. But the third time, third time's a charm, it's always a charm. Looks like I'm going to be on for the full two, looks like everything is up and going, so this is it. Now, this week, I wanted to talk to you about the affirmative action the decision because the left went nuts. They went crazy. They they melted. They literally melted down over um, over these decisions. And two of them that I the two that I wanted to talk to you about in particular are the affirmative action and 303. Now I'll talk about 303 in the next hour when I talk about how the left went full King George, went full tyrant. That's what I'm gonna do. Now, I wasn't going to talk about the 303 decision. I was, I was actually planning on saving that till next week. But I think I'd be remiss if I didn't because it all ties in. It all ties into the mentality of the left. And the mentality of the left is anything we do is benevolent and good and morally superior. And anything that you do that, that we don't comport with is evil. And I went over that in the first show. And just for S's and G's, I think I'm going to try to figure out how to incorporate audio, um, stream audio into this, because every, I, it seems like every time I try to incorporate like a video, audio from a video, a YouTube video or something like that, or Rumble or um, TikTok, it'll come through just fine on the live feed. But when I play it back, when it, when it, it 
when the show's over and it does this whole processing audio, it processes those clips right out of the show and it kills the purpose. So I'm going to figure out how to, I'm going to try to figure out how to skirt that issue. When I do, I'm going to show you undisputable, undeniable evidence that the left is literally a cult. Like I tried to do it last time and it just, well, not last time, but I tried doing the first show and it didn't work, but I'll do it and it's going to happen. Now, speaking of next week, next week, I'm going to, I'm keep hitting my boom with my freaking headphones. Um, next week, I'm going to record a show and the show in the show, I'm going to put together as convincing an argument as possible as to why it is the blacks need to divorce themselves post-haste from the Democrat party. So listen up for that. Um, I know everybody's done that. Candace Owens has done that. Um, they don't try to do it. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of black conservatives have tried to do it. And they had compelling arguments. I'm going to throw in my own. And, again, hopefully my voice won't be the catalyst to make a change because my voice ain't that big. But hopefully it will just be another brick in the wall, if you understand what I'm saying. Now, this week. Let's talk about some of these SCOTUS decisions because the left absolutely melted down. I mean, melted down. It was Chernobyl-worthy. It was, so, it was just so big, right? Three-mile three mile island-like. Well, what happened? What made the left go so crazy? Well, first of all, I need to tell you that my call-in number is 563-999-3596. 563-999-3596. If you want to call, but the phone lines will be open in the second hour. So, also, my live chat is up. Let me throw out a message real quick. Um, let's see. Uh, feel free to say whatever is on your mind about this topic. This is a free speech platform. Oh, wait. Ah, see? Here we go again. I didn't even... Okay. Um, Say whatever it is that's on your mind about this topic. This is a free speech platform. And we're going to send that. Now, um, so if you come into my live chat, um, you can come inside and say whatever it is, and I'll address it. And, you know, either I'll agree or disagree. And if I disagree, or even if I agree, even if you want, you can call in and, you know, explain yourself. So, you know, there's always that. I'm leaving that out there. Now, what was I? Where was I? The SCOTUS decisions. Now, I'll tackle affirmative action first because affirmative action, the thing about affirmative action, right? And affirmative action, the left really relied on affirmative action, but who particularly benefited? See, if you want to get down to the real brass tacks of the issue, you have to figure out who ultimately and who, who benefits the biggest, right? Who benefits bigly from this? Well, damn sure ain't the Asians because it's been putting it's been putting Asians out like left and right. Because, like I keep saying, when you resources are finite, whether it be it seats in a college class or money in the economy is finite, right? Even oxygen is finite. And if you don't believe me, oxygen is finite. Here, I want you to do this. 
fill a bowl of water, put a candle in that bowl, cover that candle, um, cover that candle with the water, uh, cover the candle with a glass in the water, and when you when if if you light it before you put the glass over it, light it, put the glass over it, and watch what happens. If you don't believe that oxygen is finite, oxygen is finite. So be all of that as it is. The Asians that were being put out left and right, despite academic academic and SAT success. Why? Because affirmative action demanded, despite what the liberals say and how they gaslight you, affirmative action demanded that you set aside a certain amount of the resources for a certain sector of the people. Now, whether that be blacks, whether that be women, whatever the case is, you had to reserve those resources for those people. That's the essence of affirmative action. And if anybody tells you different, they're lying. Now, Asians found out that they couldn't get those seats because once all the other seats were taken on, all that were left were affirmative action seats, then the Asians that, that would have benefited the most from taking those seats couldn't take those seats because they weren't qualified because their academics were too good. They were. Let's just call it what it is. It was geared toward getting people in who wouldn't other, otherwise get in. And it just happens that, and it just happened that with the cumulative, cumulative GPA of blacks and Hispanics, and, you know, they were the ones benefiting from it because they wouldn't otherwise get in. Again, let's call it what it is, right? Now, <clears throat> who would have benefited bigly from this? Well, <clears throat> and this is why I say, I'm going to say it, when I say it, it's something that you're not going to expect, but it's something we all know to be true. The NCAA benefited the biggest from this. Why? Because a lot of the scholarships that the NCAA offered to play college sports was built on affirmative action. This is how recruiters and coaches were able to go and offer, give offer letters, scholarship offer letters to students who were great athletes, but whose grades didn't make the cut for a college, for um, college admission. And if there was, if there were no such thing as affirmative action, which there really isn't now, especially on the college level, especially on the collegiate level, but if there were never anything like affirmative action, then what would have to happen is the coach would have to look at both academic prowess and athletic prowess. And they would have academically and athletically. But because there was something called affirmative action, grades didn't matter. Only athletics did. As long as, they're, as long as they can catch the football and run with it without dropping it, as long as they can put the rock in the hole, you can come to our school. Don't worry about your grades. That's what affirmative action takes care of, right? Right. All right. Well, how did the NCAA benefit bigly off of this? Well, they got all of the best athletes, even though their grades weren't up to par, because affirmative action pretty much guaranteed that their scholarship, their off when they signed that commitment letter, they're in because of affirmative action. NCAA um, now has the best high school athletes competing on the college level. Everybody wants to see that. So the NCAA was generating $1.2 billion in ad revenue for uh, for different media media outlets like CBS, you know, CBS Sports, TNT, ESPN, you know, all these other, you know, all these other big name media, sports media types, right? Generating $1.2 billion in what's it called, in ad revenue. 
Well, where did that money go? Because they certain they sure as hell weren't paying the athletes with it. And to do and to figure that out, I put that link in my show notes. The NCAA generates one point two billion dollars but doesn't pay players. According to USA Today, and this one is this article is called The Real March Madness. Why don't NCAA pay college athletes who make them billions? This is USA Today saying this. This isn't me. So the NCAA makes billions, doesn't pay athletes. Well, if they make the billions, they don't pay the athletes. Where is the money going? Well, I'm going to answer that. But first, let me digress because I'm going to um, I'm going to address something that went on this week, and I'll get back to the NCAA thing in a bit. Probably I'm going to take a break, and then I'll answer the the March Madness question. But before I take a break, I need to address something, all right? And I need to address something that happened this week in the White House. Now, say what you want about Donald Trump. Say what you want about Donald Trump. The man didn't have a crack-addicted son. None of his sons had drug problems. Joe Biden's does. Hunter Biden is on tape smoking, is on, is on his computer, on a video on his computer, smoking crack. He's smoking crack behind the wheel of a car. And now we find out that there was a baggie of cocaine left in the White House. Now, we know that the Democrat Party has a problem with drugs. It goes all the way back. Now, if you go back about 30 years or so, maybe 30, 30, 35 years, maybe 33, but go back and you'll see that the Democrats had a problem with the mayor of D.C. back in about 1991, 1993, that time frame, right? 1991, 1991. That time frame, they had a little problem with the mayor of D.C. His name was Marion Barry. Why? Because the FBI ran a sting and Marion Barry got caught up in it. They ran a drug sting. And they didn't know they were going to catch Marion Barry up. They were just looking to lock up some black people. And, oh, here's Marion Barry. They marched him out. He had a crack pipe. He was smoking crack. He was smoking crack in a motel. The mayor of D.C. Been mayor for like 20 years. The FBI come in, run a sting. Here's Marion Barry. Crack pipe in his mouth. Democrat. So when I was looking that up, I found another tidbit, and this is why I absolutely love the New York Post. You see, the New York Post, see, New York Post will run stories, and nobody else will, but New York Post find out about it, and they ran it. Now, you want to talk about Marion Barry? Fine. How does that? How does Marion Barry? Where does Marion Barry and the Biden administration cross paths, right? Because remember, Joe Biden, he was just a senator back then. But his son, way back when, still had that crack problem. So how does that, how do, where do they intersect? Easy. Back in 2021, and I linked to it in my show, I linked to this in my show notes. Back in 2021, New York Post ran a story where Hunter Biden was on somebody's podcast admitting that he spoke crack with Marion Barry. This is your Democrat Party right here. This, remember, you've got people who, Expose themselves to minors over the computer, Mr. Anthony Weiner. You had people that flew many flights to Epstein's Island on this side of the aisle. 
So I'm not surprised when I saw this New York Post story, and this is the headline, and it's by John Levine and Bruce, Bruce Golding, May 28, 2021, at 3.34 p.m., New York Post. Hunter Biden boasted that he smoked crack with late D.C. Mayor Marion Barry. Now, the article goes like this. Hunter Biden boasted that he smoked crack as a college student from with then-Washington, D.C. Mayor Marion Barry, according to a recording that surfaced Friday. During the eight-minute, 15-second video clip, President Biden's son and another man are debating whether slain civil rights icons Martin Luther King Jr. and Mohandas Gandhi ever used cocaine when Barry's name came up. Although the mayor from D.C. said, the other man said, oh, although the mayor from D.C. did, the other man said. Marion Barry, Biden said, you know what? I actually smoke crack with Marion Barry. I swear to effing God. The other man responded, Jesus. See, he's, Hunter Biden is admitting that he smoked crack with Marion Barry. Yet, and still, this guy, he's still, he's now the first son. And you guys are demonizing Jared Kushner White because of meeting with some Russians. Okay, anyway. It continues, uh, and quote, as I was, and I was a sophomore, I guess. Uh, there was a junior, there was a junior when that happened. But he used to come there and drink, like late, late, and I would be there, and he would go to the bathroom. Biden then added, but anyway, but before the other man changed the subject, he didn't want, he want, he didn't want to hear anymore, because he knew, he understood what Hunter Biden was doing. Hunter Biden was doing incredible damage to the to the Biden reputation, which. It's already in shambles anyway, is what I'm saying, right? You have to cut this guy off quick because he's, like, admitting to smoking crack with – he's admitting to smoking crack with the mayor of D.C. Like, what is that, right? So if mayors weren't enough, we have to move on to a gubernatorial candidate, right? So there's, there's the saga of one Andrew Gillum. And one Andrew Gillum was actually caught in a hotel room. Again, another sting, another Democrat getting caught with drugs. He got caught with meth and, <clears throat> excuse me, he got caught with meth and a gay male hooker. And this man was married at the time. He was married to a woman. Get caught with a get caught with meth and a gay male and a gay male hooker. Both of them were high as hell. He couldn't. Gillum couldn't talk. He was throwing up. Could barely communicate with the police. Um, don't know what he was doing, what this gay male hooker was doing with him, but this is your Democrat party, right? So that that was a gubernatorial candidate. That would that's what derailed him. Besides the fact that he was he was an idiot, but you know that was kind of the that drug thing was a straw that broke the camel's back. But if the, even if the gubernatorial candidate wasn't enough, here we have a president who allows the first president in history who gets caught with cocaine in the white house now i link to two things and i can't play them because they're they're clips on youtube so that is what it is but the first one is queen jean pierre and queen jean pierre who is arguably the dumbest person who's ever been at the uh who's ever been a white house press secretary she keeps saying oh it's up to oh it's up to uh secret service and they're doing the investigation and the Bidens weren't there, and it was found in a heavily trafficked area near the West Wing, and the usual lies. Well, in the second link, the um, News Nation comes behind him and says, uh, actually, that's not true. 
Um, it was actually found down in the down the floor below the West Wing, the touristy part of the West Wing. It was found in the floor below near the Situation Room where nobody is supposed to be. And then it comes out that oh yeah, well Hunter Biden, yeah, she was kind of buzzing around the White House when the when at the time where Karine Jean Pierre said none of the Bidens were there. So, what's the truth, right? But I have to I have to say. With all of this that's coming about, coming out about Hunter Biden and drugs, the man smoked drugs with Barry and Barry. The man smokes crack behind the wheel. He's on, he's on tape on his computer, um, behind the wheel of a car. He leaves cocaine. <laughs> Let me back that up. So, could he have left cocaine in the White House? Well, we don't know, but. The Washington Examiner says it's a mystery. Yeah, it is a mystery because nobody, nobody seems to be getting to the answers, even though there are security cameras there. There's staff 24 hours there, even if there's a skeleton crew when the Bidens are gone. There's somebody, there's usually somebody near the situation room. Come on, right? I mean, that is highly classified. There should be, should be staffed with somebody with Sentinel there. But somehow it's a mystery. Nobody knows who left this cocaine and the, and what's it called? But the Washington Examiner says, it's a mystery. Cocaine found in the White House after Hunter Biden visit. Hmm. So let's see. We have an admitted drug head, admitted coke head. Man smokes crack with Marion Barry. The man smokes crack in the, in the wheel of his car, behind the wheel of the car. He's smoking crack. He's on different video smoking crack. He's had a crack pipe in a, in a famous picture of him laying on a pillow with a crack pipe in his mouth. He comes, visits the White House, and after he leaves... They find a bag of cocaine just lying somewhere, and nobody knows who who this bag of cocaine belongs to. Okay. We'll just leave that at that. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to take a break. And when I come back, I'm going to answer the question about March Madness. And who really, who really benefited from that? And how how does that whole thing work? You're listening to ABC on SoundCloud. Let's get my commercials going. Hey, let's take a minute and meet Clark Kent. Our Superman. Chief, believe me, you're in for a treat just as soon as Jimmy gets back here. Great Caesar's ghost. What's holding him up? You know I can't work without a good breakfast. Chief. Jimmy's bringing a box of Kellogg's sugar smacks. All the more reason for hurrying. Confound it, that boy knows I like those new sugar smacks. And he knows I do, too. And that's a cinch. Well, here I am. Young man, if you spill those new sugar smacks, you're fired. Golly, Chief, I hadn't opened up the box yet. But I'm going to now. Well, I guess we all agree on sugar smacks. Right. Folks. Don't wait. Get Kellogg's new sugar smacks. They're better than ever. Puffs of wheat, sugar toasted, and candy sweet. You bet. Just get Kellogg's sugar smacks, brand new. A Northwest Mountie, and he's been trailing this desperate character for three years. And I'm tired. Well, it's him or me. He's got an aching head, an upset stomach, and an empty gun. What you need is some Alka-Seltzer. You know what they always say. 
Yeah, a Mountie always gets his man. Oh, no. I mean about Alka-Seltzer. Relief is just a swallow away. Well. Down, 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 the stomach through. Round, 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 the system too. With Alka-Seltzer, they always say, relief is just a swallow away. Bless that relief-giving Alka-Seltzer. For that headache and upset feeling, take Alka-Seltzer. Relief is just a swallow away. Hi, kids. Look at some delicious magic with the extra good chocolate-flavored syrup, Bosco. Now watch. Take ice cream, spoon on extra rich, extra thick, extra chocolatey Bosco syrup. There's the best chocolate flavor you ever tasted. More Bosco magic. Cake, ice cream, topped with extra thick, extra chocolatey Bosco syrup. Try it. Bosco also makes milk chocolatey delicious. Tell mom to get Bosco chocolate-flavored syrup for you. Sing out. I love Bosco. It's rich in chocolate tea. Chocolate-flavored Bosco is mighty good for me. Mama puts it in my milk for extra energy. Bosco gives me iron and sunshine vitamin D. Oh, I love Bosco. That's the drink for me. I'm a spaceman. The moon and sun and all the stars are great big tester robots. I'm a princess. Yes, my lord, it's a party tonight. We'll have to do a pop. All the kids in the neighborhood say to do a pop. The triple good, triple good. And do you know why? Sure. Because one, there's good tasting hard candy outside. And two, there's a delicious center of Tootsie Roll inside. And three, only Tootsie Roll Pops are such fun to eat. That's why they're triple good. And don't forget Tootsie Roll Pops come in a party pack too. Ten Pops in assorted flavors. There's a game on the back that's lots of fun to do. All the kids in the neighborhood say Tootsie Roll Pops are triple good. Triple good. You'll love Tootsie Roll Pops. Hi, I'm Mike Wallace with a sensational shortening discovery for better baking and frying. It's Procter & Gamble's Golden Fluffo, the first all-new shortening in 40 years. It's rich. Its color is golden yellow. And what a pie it makes. Richer looking, better tasting, more appetizing. But let's hear what Mrs. Thelma Styra, Indiana State Fair baking champion, had to say about Fluffo. I love Fluffo. It makes such a golden brown pie. Oh, man, that's some apple pie. Well, Mr. Wallace, that's a prettier pie than I ever baked with plain white shortening. And look how flaky it is. This yellow Fluffo is such a short shortening. Makes pie crust so rich. Like cooking champions, get richer looking, better tasting, more appetizing results in everything you bake or fry. Get golden Fluffo. Yoo-hoo-hoo, I've got a Swiss cream sandwich for you. Crisp golden cookies and in between. An extra thick, it's my pick. Filling of cream, dessert time, tea time. Don't miss Swiss. As the man around here, you can quote me on this. 
Astronauts do some things you do. In space, they drank Tang. They mixed it like this in a zero-G pouch, because with no gravity, it would fly all over. You don't have that problem. You can mix it in a glass. Up there, they have to drink it carefully, this way. You can drink it any way you like. Tang tastes orangey. Tastes great. Has lots of vitamins C and A. Tang, chosen for the Gemini astronauts. Have a blast. Have some Tang. This man just showered with a new kind of soap. New Life Boy Mint Refresher. A soap so loaded with mint, so tangy, so frosty, it drives wives wicked. 
Every bar of new Life Boy Mint Refresher contains the essence of 125 mint leaves. Soap has never smelled this good before, and neither have you. New Life Boy Mint Refresher drives wives wicked. about Hunter Biden and the whole crack thing, but before I even got into that, because another thing I got to say about that is it's amazing. They kind of, The war on drugs, the 50-year war on drugs, locks up millions of blacks for drug charges, a lot of it due to crack, and they can't catch this one white guy. They can't catch this one little, this one guy who is on camera smoking crack. They can't arrest him. Who's on camera smoking crack, smoking crack behind the wheel. He admits smoking crack with the mayor of D.C. He may or may not have, I think he may have, but he may or may not have dropped cocaine behind at the White House near the Situation Room. Yet he can't get arrested. But for all over this place getting arrested for crack. I'm just saying, I'll address that next week when I talk about why Blacks need to divorce themselves from the Democrat Party. Because that's one of the things that I'm going to bring up. NCAA, right? Because when I before I even got into that spiel about Hunter Biden, I asked the question. I said, who benefits the most? Because if you want to figure out where, the, where all this outrage is coming from, you have to see who's benefiting the most, right? And it's a trip because... The NCAA, according, now this is according to USA Today now, the NCAA, they they can make a billion dollars just off of March Madness. Like, hell with um, college football bowl season when every ad, when every corporation jockeys to put their name on one of the bowl games. Just March Madness brings in a billion, brings in a little over a billion dollars. So if that's true, and then $1.2 billion comes from ad revenue, and then all the other billions that come from bowl games, Yet the players aren't being paid. This is according to USA, not me, USA Today. Then where's all that money going? Follow it. If you follow it, you'll see. And to go and to see where it ended up, you only have to go to Open Secrets. Open Secrets is one of my favorite websites. Why? Because Open Secrets, it shows where the money goes. It shows where everybody's money goes, who it comes from, who gets it. So what I did was went to Open Secrets, and I said, let's see how much money the education sector gives to political candidates. So I said, all recipients in 2022 from the education sector. That's all I did. And it spit out 20 individuals that received money from the education sector. That's NCAA, that's individual colleges, that's even individual um, faculty and administrators, right? This is in total. It's just the education sector. And I saw, I found something very interesting. I found the top 20 recipients in 2022 of education dollars. And I'm going to read these names off, okay? And this is by rank. Rank number one, Raphael Warnock. Number two, Mark Kelly. Number three, John Fetterman. Number four, Val Demings. Number five, Catherine Cortez Masto. 
Number six, Tim Ryan. Number seven, Mandela Barnes. Number eight, Sherry Beasley. Number nine, Maggie Hassan. Number 10, Katie Porter. Number 11, Nancy Pelosi. Number 12, Michael Bennett. Number 13, Tom Malinowski. Number 14, Bernie Sanders. Number 15, Alyssa Slotkin. Number 16, Charles E. Schumer. Number 17, Bill Foster. Number 18, Adam Schiff. Number 19, Joe Biden. And then number 20, Patty Murray. Now, somebody out there, and if if you're on this page, and you can leave either uh, if you're listening to me live, which let me see who's in the chat. Duck Northwest Media, if you're still here, right? Tell me, and you heard all those names. Tell me. Tell everybody out here, and I'll, I'll put the answer down in the chat, and I'll blast it out to everybody that's listening. Tell me what 19 of those 20 names have in common, and 20 of all 20 names have in common. So first tell me what 19 of all of those, what 19 of 20 names have in common. Go ahead. You there? Okay. So 19 of those 20 names are all Democrats. They're all Democrats. 20 of those 20 names are leftists. The only exception, Bernie Sanders is an independent, but we all know he rocks with Democrats. All 20 are on the left. So there are no Republicans here. The NCAA, and this is why I'm saying NCAA and Educate, they're funneling money to the Democrats. Now you understand why they're upset about this affirmative action. But let me, let me peel the layers back, all right? Now, when we talk about how these scholarships are structured, right, when you have these athletes, and again, I put the links in my show notes, not all of these athletes, not all of their scores and um, not all their SAT scores and their grades are up to par to even get into these colleges. So what they're relying on is what the recruiters and coaches and universities and stuff, what they're relying on is affirmative action to be able to get these superior athletes with less than superior grades into these colleges so they can play. The better the players, the more money they make. Again, follow the money. Now, if affirmative action dies, which it did, you can't legit get these players into the colleges. Why? Because their scores are substandard. If you don't believe me, look at the link in my show notes. Their SAT scores suck. Their grades suck. They just happen to be superior athletes. Now that affirmative action is effectively dead and the playing field is uh, level, now we got to go on merit. And merit goes just beyond athletic prowess. Now you have to look at athletic, both athletic prowess and, um, and academic prowess. And the superior athletes don't have the, don't have the academic prowess because they spent more time honing their athletic skills than honing their academic skills because that's what would have gotten them into college under affirmative action. That's no more. So your higher caliber five-star prospects cannot get into these colleges because their because their SAT scores and their um, and their grades or GPA are substandard. Now that that's happening, there's going to be a market decrease in the overall quality of all of these games of, of the March Madnesses and the bowl seasons and all this stuff. There's going to be a market decrease in quality. Why? Because the, the five-star athletes just can't get into the colleges anymore. So you're going to have a bunch of great students that really can't play the game. 
It's going to take away from the interest in watching these games. And without the interest, the ad revenue can't come without the, without the ad revenue and without anybody wanting to put their names on the bowl games and stuff like that, there's going to be a market decrease in money that's given to these the top 20 candidates. I could probably go to the top 50 and top 100, and they'll probably still all be Democrats, right? They're not going to get as much money as they used to from these um, from these educational institutions. Now, when we hear that these leftists, right, these Marxists and leftists, and they talk about diversity and they talk about discrimination and things like that, and they always go back to, well, it hurts black, black and brown people. But even I don't get that argument because if you look at, and I think I linked to this in my show notes, if you look at the the overall academic performance of different ethnic groups, right? You'll find that Asians are on top. Whites are up there, but Asians are above whites. Asians, whites. And then the third is are biracials. But even that doesn't really take into account all of the groups that do well academically as far as SAT scores and stuff are concerned because now you got to – they didn't factor in Jews. They didn't factor in East um, – not East Asians, but um, Indian, the Asian Indians, the ones from India and Pakistan over there. They didn't factor them in because they perform very well in their SATs. And then they didn't figure in ethnic Nigerians because ethnic Nigerians are do phenomenally well on their SATs. So when they say it discriminates against black and brown people, well, which black and brown people are you talking about? Because you have a whole swath of black and brown people and ethnic black, uh, black and brown people who are doing phenomenally well on their SATs. Um, I got a phone call. I usually don't open up the open up the phones until the second hour. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take this phone call from five five four five. Um, let's see. No, we're not going to mute them. We're going to live them. Okay, there we go. Hey, what's your name? Where you're from? No, he's on hold. No? Okay. Well, we will mute screen, but okay, let's go ahead and mute. Okay. Let's get back to this. Now, there's a whole swath of black and brown people that the left isn't isn't accounting for. Now, they can say all they want that they that they advocate. They're advocating for blacks and brown people, but honestly, like they can it doesn't comport because there's a whole swath of ethnic people that ju- that are doing phenomenally well who have been put out by this affirmative action thing in favor of athletes who and others i'm not just putting this on athletes but there's athletes and others that are getting in under this affirmative action thing again resources are finite so if you're going to give these open resources to these people then those people are going to be cut out even though they earned it, even though ac- they're academically, they're more than academically qualified, but you got to shut them out to give these other people those resources. And it's a real shame that it, that 
in this day and age, the people who, well, it's not even a shame. It's, it's really, it's, it's expected. If you follow them long enough, again, I used to be one of them. I turned conservative because this is one of the reasons why is because they, they're so busy telling the line that they don't understand the harm they're causing by their, so that's, that's what's up. And again, when you talk about the rage that's been going on between, well, that's been coming from the left, and they miss people like the Asians and the Indians and the Nigerians, and they only talk about black Americans or Latino Americans. I don't know. Like, do you guys understand what, I'm, what it is I'm getting at? Like, they, you can't be champions of DEI when you're not champions of DEI even though you say you're champions of DEI, which is why us conservatives, like the real conservatives out there understand that DEI is crap. But again, they rage at SCOTUS, they drag Clarence Thomas through the mud, again, doing everything short of calling him Coon, Uncle Tom, or whatever. But what the things that like Whoopi and Sonny and all those other stupid people on The View and then you have people like, you have these clowns like Ellie Mistel and Joy Reid and all these other people coming out saying, hey, saying Clarence Thomas is this, Clarence Thomas is that. When they're the ones, and again, I'm going to tackle this when I talk about, I'm going to tackle this next week when I talk about why blacks need to leave the Democrat Party. They need to divorce the Democrat Party. Because when you look at these clowns, like Ellie Mistel with his big white afro, bow tie that he literally looks like a clown then you have joy reed and sonny hostin and all these and all these other people dressed up trying to be trying to look like real professional journalists or commentators or whatever and all they are is just shows for the democrat party who have historically enslaved them so that's that's another thing that i don't understand but let me not get too far into the weeds with pet what i was talking about was the rage that's coming from the left um, that's coming from that's coming in reaction to the SCOTUS decisions, affirmative action in general. But I just wanted to tell you why they were upset, and they're upset because they're not gonna have, they're not gonna be getting as much money as they used to, because the NCR the NCAA's revenue is going to dwindle, the scholarships for the superior athletes are going to dwindle, so all of these things are going to all of these things are going down. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take another break. And when I come back, I'm going to try again with uh, 5545 since he's been holding patiently for about five minutes. Break's going to be about 10 minutes long. Um, we're going to come back, open up the phone lines, and we're going to get into how the Democrats have ushered in the era, ushered back in the era of King George III that the colonists actually fled from, and other people are fleeing from Democrats too. If you look at the migration from the cities, <laughs> but um, we're going to get into how Democrats have gone full King George III. We're going to talk about the other—well, not the other, but another SCOTUS decision that came down, which was the 303 decision. And I'm going to break that down because what you're being told really isn't what is. Go get yourself something to eat, something to drink. Come back. We're going to finish this. You're listening to ABC on SoundCloud. SoundCloud. I keep saying that. You're listening to ABC on BTR. Hey, 
Let's take a minute and meet Clark Kent, our Superman. Chief, believe me, you're in for a treat just as soon as Jimmy gets back here. Great Caesar's ghost, what's holding him up? You know I can't work without a good breakfast. Chief, Jimmy's bringing a box of Kellogg's sugar smacks. All the more reason for hurrying. Confounded, that boy knows I like those new sugar smacks. And he knows I do, too. That's a cinch. Well, here I am. Young man, if you spill those new sugar smacks, you're fired. Golly, Chief, I hadn't opened up the box yet. But I'm going to now. Well, I guess we all agree on sugar smacks. Right. Folks, don't wait. Get Kellogg's new sugar smacks. They're better than ever. Puffs of wheat, sugar toasted, and candy sweet. You bet. Just get Kellogg's sugar smacks, brand new. A Northwest Mountie, and he's been trailing this desperate character for three years. And I'm tired. Well, it's him or me. Uh-oh. He's got an aching head, an upset stomach, and an empty gun. What you need is some Alka-Seltzer. You know what they always say. Yeah, a Mountie always gets his man. Oh, no. I mean about Alka-Seltzer. Relief is just a swallow away. Well... that relief-giving Alka-Seltzer. For that headache and upset feeling, take Alka-Seltzer. Relief is just a swallow away. Hi, kids. Look at some delicious magic with the extra-good chocolate-flavored syrup, Bosco. Now watch. Take ice cream, spoon on extra-rich, extra-thick, extra-chocolatey Bosco syrup. There's the best chocolate flavor you ever tasted. More Bosco magic. Cake, ice cream, topped with extra thick, extra chocolatey Bosco syrup. Try it. Bosco also makes milk chocolatey delicious. Tell mom to get Bosco chocolate flavored syrup for you. Sing out. I love Bosco. It's rich in chocolatey. Chocolate flavored Bosco is mighty good for me. Mama puts it in my milk for extra energy. Bosco gives me iron and sunshine vitamin D. Oh, I love Bosco. That's the drink for me. I'm a spaceman. The moon and sun and all the stars are great big tootsie roll pops. I'm a princess. Yes, my lord, it's a party tonight. We'll have fifty roll pops. All the kids in the neighborhood say fifty roll pops are triple good, triple good. And do you know why? Sure, because one, there's good tasting hard candy outside, and two, there's a delicious center of fifty roll inside, and three, only fifty roll pops are said fun to eat. That's why they're triple good. And don't forget, Tootsie Roll Pops come in a party pack, too. Ten pops in assorted flavors. There's a game on the back that's lots of fun to do. All the kids in the neighborhood say Tootsie Roll Pops are triple good. Triple good. You'll love Tootsie Roll Pops. Hi, I'm Mike Wallace. 
with a sensational shortening discovery for better baking and frying. It's Procter & Gamble's Golden Fluffo, the first all-new shortening in 40 years. It's rich. Its color is golden yellow. And what a pie it makes. Richer looking, better tasting, more appetizing. But let's hear what Mrs. Thelma Styra, Indiana State Fair baking champion, had to say about Fluffo. I love Fluffo. It makes such a golden brown pie. Oh, man, that's some apple pie. Well, Mr. Wallace, that's a prettier pie than I ever baked with plain white shortening. And look how flaky it is. This yellow fluffo is such a short shortening. Makes pie crust so rich. Like cooking champions, get richer looking, better tasting, more appetizing results in everything you bake or fry. Get golden fluffo. Yoo-hoo-hoo. I've got a Swiss cream sandwich for you. Crisp golden cookies and in between an extra thick. It's my kick. Filling of cream. Dessert time. Tea time. Don't miss Swiss. As the man around here, you can quote me on this. Yoo-hoo-hoo, It's Swiss cream sandwich for you. And you-hoo-hoo, a truly different cream sandwich, Swiss cream sandwich, baked by Nabisco. The luscious, creamy fillings in a class by itself. No other like it. And these tempting vanilla cookies are so light, they melt in your mouth. Yoo-hoo-hoo, yoo-hoo. It's Swiss cream sandwich. For you yoo-hoo. And you-hoo-hoo, Swiss cream sandwich. Say, it's time for my favorite dance team, so let's look. Ah, a box of matches and a pack of old gold cigarettes. That's all you need, my friend. And you're enjoying the smoothest, mildest, tastiest cigarette ever created. A treat instead of a treatment. That's old gold cigarettes. Made by tobacco men, not medicine men. To give you the cigarette that treats you better in every way. Because in every way, it's a better cigarette. Good, huh? Yes, for a treat instead of a treatment. Get a pack or get a carton of old gold cigarettes. Right now, this is Dennis James reminding you to keep smoking old gold cigarettes. Thanks. Attention. To help carry on our important work, I want you to join the secret squadron and wear this official badge and have this secret decoder. Following each week's adventure, I'll send an important secret message and only secret squadron members who have decoders can decode them. Also, later I'll tell you the simple rules for joining the secret squadron, but you must promise to do as I do. Keep yourself healthy and mentally alert and drink Ovaltine every day. It's the official drink of the Secret Squadron. We Secret Squadron members know chocolate-flavored Ovaltine helps give us what we need for rocket power. Yes, just as a rocket adds thrust during takeoff, Ovaltine can add the kind of nourishment so important for rocket power. We drink Ovaltine hot for breakfast. Mmm, good, too. And cold for lunch and between meal snacks. And hot again at bedtime to help keep us revved up with rocket power. 
Believe me, Ovaltine's got what it takes to help you be a leader in your gang. So drink instant Ovaltine every day. The Gemini Space Flights. The trips are long. The training is hard, like this spacewalk practice. But the astronauts do some things you do. In space, they drank Tang. They mixed it like this in a zero-G pouch, because with no gravity, it would fly all over. You don't have that problem. You can mix it in a glass. Up there, they have to drink it carefully, this way. You can drink it any way you like. Tang tastes orangey. Tastes great. Has lots of vitamins C and A. Tang, chosen for the Gemini astronauts. Have a blast. Have some Tang. This man just showered with a new kind of soap. New Life Boy Mint Refresher. A soap so loaded with mint, so tangy, so frosty, it drives wives wicked. Every bar of new Life Boy Mint Refresher contains the essence of 125 mint leaves. Soap has never smelled this good before, and neither have you. New Life Boy Mint Refresher drives wives wicked. So when when we broke and let me turn this down. So when we broke, um, I told you we we're going to get into how it is that the Democrats have just become absolute tyrants now, and it's all over the place. Like you re- you literally can't swing a dead cat and not <laughs> not hit a tyrant on the left. But you have to see just with the things that are going on. Let's so let's. Let's count them off because, again, these are things that you got to throw in their face. Things like the DOJ going after conservatives for things that they may or may not have done. The DOJ going after the current sitting president, who is a Democrat, going after his chief political rival because he's the chief political rival and he's more popular and he's about to win. Things like the Democrats institute uh, skirting the First Amendment by sitting themselves in social media company companies and censoring speech that comes through social media. Things like locking up people en masse for things that the president's son gets away with, literally gets away with. Well, I think, I, again, I'd, I'd be remiss again if I didn't talk about the 303 decision, because the 303 decision goes to the heart of that in a roundabout way. Now, again, um, second hour, so phone lines are open, so go ahead and call if you, you, know, if you want to talk things out. The phone lines are open now. Just make sure that you actually answer when I, <laughs> to make sure you actually answer when I, when I bring you on. Um, 
But again, we have to talk about this 303 decision because the 303 decision speaks to the heart of the tyranny on the left. Now, what you're being told about this 303 decision isn't really what is. Now, what you're being told by all the monkeys that are dressing themselves up as humans and going on and acting like journalists or trying to be trying to be journalists and news reporters, what they're telling you is that this whole thing is about LGBTQ, you know, the the alphabet people and discrimination against them. And what you hear time after time after time, especially on MSLSD, is that this is going to legalize discrimination against the alphabet people. When this decision literally has nothing to do with the alphabet people. And if you're listening to me and you agree with me, you understand you understand my point. This has nothing to do with the alphabet people, even though that's what's being crammed down our throats. Now, when we talk about the 303 decision, you have to understand where the 303 decision came from. Now, the left is going to say about the origins of the 303 decision. Again, this is a really dumb point, but they say that the gay couple that was meant, that was named or mentioned in the lawsuit or whatever, they're going to say that that couple never existed. And so because that couple never existed, then the case shouldn't have been brought. It's a, it's a case that was brought on false pretenses that makes the SCOTUS ruling erroneous. And that makes sense to you if you're a leftist, because if you're a leftist, you don't have a brain cell in your head. What the, the real deal behind the 303 decision is this. Colorado had passed, and again, I'm not sure I said this in the earlier podcast or the earlier show that I had to scrap, but I'm not sure if the bakery shop, I can't remember if the bakery shop was in Colorado or not. But going back to the bakery shop and then coming into the 303 thing, Colorado had passed the law. And if the bakery shop isn't a part of Colorado, then fine. But Colorado passed the law. That says that businesses have to cater, according to the Civil Rights Act, businesses have to cater to people under the public accommodations clause, no matter what their sexual orientation or, you know, the protected classes, you know, race, color, creed, sexual orientation, or gender preference, whatever, whatever, right? That's what the left says. But you got to remember, this is, this is not, this has nothing to do with that. What it is, is the fact that when they say public accommodations, just like when the left said, just like when the left said um, that Trump is being arrested under the Espionage Act, when nothing Trump did is covered under the Espionage Act, it was just made up of, out of whole cloth. They're saying now that the case shouldn't have been brought because of discrimination under the Public Accommodations Act. Now, what's real is the fact that nobody, and I mean nobody, is entitled to your intellectual property. This is why there's things like copyright, trademark, creative commons, um, even I use, uh, what's it called, um, royalty-free music because royalty-free, I mean, you got to pay nobody. But if you use somebody's intellectual property, you have to give them just compensation. That should work out ahead of time. <clears throat> but the point still stands. Now, when you talk about creating something out of your intellectual, creating your intellectual property for somebody else, 
the government, and this is the heart of the matter, not what the, not what the leftists are saying, the government cannot force you, according to the tenets of the First Amendment, the government cannot force you to use your intellectual property to create something that you don't spiritually subscribe to. They can't do it. It's, it's a violation of the First Amendment. And that's what this case is about. It's not about discrimination against LGBTQ, all the alphabet people that the left and those monkeys want you to think. It literally has to do with the government forcing you to use your intellectual property to create something or to create intellectual property that doesn't comport with your spiritual standing. And when they say, when they try to retort and tell me that it's about LGBTQIASTUVWXYZ, I have to come back and I have to, I have to tell them and I have to ask them. And when I ask them this point and anybody who's listening to this, I, I'm, I'm telling you, if you, if you bring this point out, you will shut down, you will shut them down. They'll like short, they'll literally short circuit. They'll, they will have nothing to say and you will win this argument. So when they come and say, oh, it's about LGBTQ+, nobody's allowed to discriminate against them because of public accommodations. I said, okay, let me ask you something then. Um, because you, you seem to think that this is a thing. Situation. A white Christian man walks into a halal shop, a halal restaurant, and orders a bacon, orders a bacon lettuce, tomato sandwich, a BLT. The Muslim that works there says, pork is haram. This is a halal shop. Pork is forbidden. We don't serve pork. We don't eat pork. We don't touch pork. There's, there's, we won't find pork within three miles of this place. The Christian man says, you will serve me a BLT or I will sue you. The Muslim says, okay, it is what it is, but you ain't getting a pork sandwich because we, we're not getting a bacon sandwich because we don't handle pork. It's against our religion. It's sacrilegious for us to consume, to consume, serve, or handle pork. So the white Christian man sues the halal shot. Whose side are you on? <laughs> yeah, I came back to BTR. I came back. Um, yeah, because the other the other show, I and this is a <laughs> ring it boy. Yeah, he was on my last show, the one that lasts like fifteen minutes. Yeah, that was my fault. I didn't check the the I didn't check the recording time, and that was my fault. I was supposed to say it for two hours, and I didn't. It was so the default was fifteen minutes, so I had to go and then reschedule this and then come back. That's what happened. But yeah. If any if any of these leftist monkeys come and tell come and tell you that it's about the LGBTQIA and discrimination, come back with that and see where they stand, because they can't legit say that they support the religious freedom of this Muslim and not serving the Christian man a pork sandwich. Because what they would say, and I know I used to be a leftist, so I know how they think. They would say that the Christian man is a white supremacist because he's going to this Muslim shop. And he's trolling them by asking them to um, ask him to make a BLT sandwich. Now, they're going to say that, yet they're going to also say that the Christian web, web designer is also wrong because they're discriminating. They're using their religious freedom to discriminate against the alphabet people in not wanting to use their creative, um, their intellectual property to create something that they don't spiritually subscribe to. They can't straddle both sides of the fence like that. You either support religious freedom for everybody, for every religion, or you don't. 
You can't pick and choose. So when they say that they support one and not the other, then you know they're full of shit. Now, what it came down to, again, like I explained before, is the fact that despite their constant bleeding, that it's about these alphabet people and legalized discrimination, which I literally saw in MSNBC, and I had to, I almost choked on my soda. I laughed so hard. It's not. It has to go to, again, and I honestly believe leftists stroke themselves off thinking of, thinking about how they can use government to get you to do what they want you to do. I'm pretty sure that's what they do. And they're trying to use, especially the ones in Colorado now, they're trying to use the legislature in Colorado to get this web designer to create something that is that the web designer considers sacrilegious. And now that SCOTUS had smacked it down, now they got all now they have all kinds of nasty things to say about SCOTUS and Clarence Thomas and you know the very I mean the rope goes on and on and on. They're gonna call him a coon and Uncle Tom and blah 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 because he's now discriminating against LGBTQIARSTUVWXYZ. When it's nothing when it's nothing like that. And again, you if you doubt then Give that situation to a leftist and watch them melt down because either they a they will not answer it and they'll rage quit, or b they'll show their hypocrisy and say, well, um, the Christian is wrong in either situation, even though the the two situations are legit the same. And that's what that's about. But the tyranny goes farther than using the Colorado legislature to get this website designer to do something that they don't spiritually subscribe to. It's been going on for decades and eons and generations now. Back from the days of slavery, the, tyr- the, the tyranny began there. They, they tyrannized black people. What can I say? They used the KKK and they used their ranch hands and all, and, and all these other people to keep the slaves in line. Now, whether they've done that with lynching and whippings and stuff. This is the Democrat Party doing that. And around the time of Reconstruction, when they found out that slaves didn't like that, and there were slaves that were walking off the plantation and trying to make a run for the North because they, there's freedom in the North, and the human default is always to seek out freedom, then they then the Democrats instituted the KKK, and the KKK was, became their terrorist arm. Now, after that, and the civil and um, the Civil War jumped off. Abraham Lincoln won, the North won, 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, of which no Democrat voted for. None of those amendments, not the 13th, not the 14th, not the 15th. And as a matter of fact, the Democrats have voted against every civil rights bill proposal from the 1920s, I think when it was first introduced after World War I, to all the way up to 1964. And even then, the Democrats were against it. Lyndon Johnson was against any Civil Rights Act. But the Republicans had said, hey, look, something's going, there's a, there's a small uprising happening in the South. And if you don't sign this um, legislation, the De- you and the Democrat Party are toast. You'll never win another election because they'll understand where your party stands as far as Racism and segregation is concerned. They all understand. 
And facing that, Lyndon Johnson knew he had to sign the bill or forever or forever be labeled as that. So what he did was he sent it back to his people and said, hey, look, uh, we're going to sign this. Well, first we're going to water it down with a whole bunch of bull crap, and then, you know, we're going to go ahead and sign it. They signed it, but it's too little too late because the Republicans had already started taking the South and um, – and life for blacks has already started getting better, which is why the Republicans have held the South for all this time. Now, the, now the liberals will come back and say, hey, there was this great switch. And I'm not understanding when this great switch happened, because I'm not sure if it happened when Lyndon Johnson said that he'll have these inners um, voting Democrat for 200 years. I don't know if it happened when all the all of the Democrat cities launched this war on drugs that locked up millions of black men. I'm not sure if it was with Bill Clinton signed the crime bill that locked up millions more black men. I'm not sure if it was when Joe Biden was going around saying comparing black people to roaches and saying that Barack Obama was the first clean African American mainstream that he's ever met. Um, not sure if it was when Barack Obama and Joe Biden eulogized the known white supremacists. I'm not sure if it was when Hillary Clinton said walked around saying blacks are super predators. So I'm not sure when this. I'm not sure when this happened. Um, I'm bringing boy. Democrats use use the reason Democrats didn't vote for civil rights because of the big switch. Exactly, the big switch is a myth. Um, it never happened. You can see even going on today with the reaction to affirmative action and things like that, it sounds like, and if you listen to it, right, and it says there was no big switch, it was three Democrats switched to Republicans. Exactly. It was Jesse Helms um, and two of them. I can't remember the other two. Um, I want to say Strom Thurmond. But Strom Thurmond, Jesse Helms, and somebody else. Um, there were only three. He's right. So there was really, there was really no big switch. And the proof of that is where is if you ask a liberal anything regarding race relations. Now, what was his name? Um, Ari, Ari something. He's on YouTube. And um, I'll say Ari Fleischer, but that's not his name. He walked around, and you guys know what I'm talking about. You'll know what I'm talking about when I start talking about it. He walked around asking different liberals why voter ID was racist. I swear to God, it's on YouTube right now. And our, was Ari Hoffman? Something like that. But um, he, walked around, he walked around the streets of New York asking liberals why voter ID is racist. And swear to God, they were saying things like, black people don't have IDs. Black people can't use the internet. Black people don't know how to use the internet. Black people don't have smartphones. Black people don't know how to get to the DMV to register to vote. This is what they're, this is what they're saying. And now, with, with the end of this affirmative action, what are they saying now? Um, they're saying that black people need affirmative action or else none of them will get into college. Now, even I say, hey, they're, as, a, as a whole, and I posted, and I posted the, uh, the link, their GPAs, aren't, um, their GPAs aren't up to stuff to get into these universities. But that doesn't mean that they can't. The liberals seem to think that they can't do it no matter what. And I'm saying that because of the grades, because the grades aren't up to snuff, they're not getting into these universities. But it, that doesn't mean they can't turn it around. Every conservative knows that. So 
you have people who have these beliefs about minorities that they try to cover in in um in um what's the word? Y'all know the word I'm talking about. But in defense of DEI, they use this to blanket they use this as a blanket of their racism. Um, it says you're all right. Can't remember the third person's name either, right? Yeah, it, it was one of it was one of those things. Um, we're in the 21st century, and people still think people other than white are inferior, and it's and it's true. And all you have to do is listen to your uh, to your average leftist. I remember I did a video, and it's on my Rumble, right? It's um, and I it was the dismantling of Robin D'Angelo because Robin D'Angelo wrote this book about whiteness. And in this book, the things she's saying, right? And I'm like, there's this isn't this isn't right, but it's not for the reason that people think. It sounds like it sounds to me just the way this book is written that it's so wrong. it is wrong, and it's absolutely wrong, especially this thing because the Robin D'Angelo book is what's being peddled to corporate HRs across the country. And the core of this book is that people, because of their success and their drive for success and the fact that they, that they go out and they get all this wealth and all this stuff, that they oppress minorities with that and that you have to be careful of your whiteness. And I'm, li- I'm, I'm literally seeing these words and I'm like, okay, wait a minute. This, this isn't right. This sound, what this sounds like to me is her projecting her her own white supremacy because the way she's talking up white people, but she's covering it by pretending that she's writing this in defense or in defense of diversity, equity, and inclusion. But if you listen to these if you listen to these people and you listen to what it is they say, they're always talking up the white race. They're always saying, oh, the right races, they're doing better in school. They're, they're doing better on the job. They're doing better here, and they're doing better there, and there's less crime in white community. And they're talking up the white community, and then they cover it up by saying, well, you know, that's how they're oppressing minorities. And it's like, no, minorities aren't oppressed. There are so many successful blacks out there that you cannot logically say that any – that blacks blacks haven't been oppressed. I'm sorry, since the end of the Civil War. I mean, there was a whole Jim Crow thing and the burning down when the Democrats burned down the Black Wall Street. I mean, there was that. But I'm since the end, since the Civil Rights Movement took hold, from then you can't legit say blacks have been oppressed by whites because blacks have always had an opportunity. And as a matter of fact, going back to the whole college thing, if blacks were really concerned about not getting into school certain schools well there are hbcus for them right i mean i'm saying so again there isn't an opportunity that anybody else has that blacks don't they really don't so knowing that to listen to these you have to listen to these people and you got to kind of parse their words because again the I always believe tyranny is tyranny and tyrants are tyrants because they're in that position where they can be tyrants. And after my last break, which I'm going to take in a little bit, um, I'm going to expound on that because 
again, um, I can't play the clips, but I, I attach the clips to the show notes, so you can go and look at the clips of AOC and Cori Bush. But when you when you listen to what it is they say and you watch what it is that they do or what it is that they advocate for, you see, Cori Bush, and for as much as they talk about how Asians are carrying the torch for white supremacy with their applause of the end of the affirmative affirmative action, as much as they say black conservatives carry the torch for white supremacy with what they believe, you have to look at people like AOC and Cori Bush, Cori Bush especially. Let me pick on her because she's black. Now, Cori Bush, if you look at, if you click on the link and go to the I think it's the no, I think it's a it's either YouTube or a website, one of the two, but it's a video of Cori Bush and it's her explanation of why she uses seventy thousand dollars on private security while simultaneously advocating defunding the police when defunding the police and let me say this one thing and I'm gonna go I'm gonna take a break. Defunding the police has decimated many cities, including the city of Seattle where I live near. Okay, I I've seen firsthand what happened to the city of Seattle because Mayor um, because Mayor Durkin decided to defund the police and send the send that excess money into social services. You had a loss of police. You have a loss. You have the loss of police officers because whoever wasn't laid off due to lack of funding took their retirements early so they can walk away with at least something, or they quit. And they they quit and they um and they joined other police forces. I live in the city of Kent. We got a lot of the good cops from Seattle, so thank you. However, you what you've done was you've created an environment where murder is skyrocketing, robberies are skyrocketing, arson is skyrocketing, businesses are leaving, they can't take it anymore, they can't take the financial losses anymore. You don't have any more tourists because they're all getting robbed and raped and whatever have you because of the crime rate is so excessively high. It's almost as if a lack of cops means an increase in crime, which I don't understand how the liberals don't make that connection. But then again, they don't have to bring those in their head. Defunding the police has also led to some of the most explosive crime increases in crime rates in the black community. So for Cori Bush to sit there and say, we need to defund the police while simultaneously paying $70,000 of your tax money, your tax money on her own personal security, because as she likes to say it, what am I supposed to die? What do you want me to die and get killed and all this stuff? Well, excuse me, Miss Cori Bush, but, it's just you on Capitol Hill complaining that you're getting death threats and stuff, and this is why you need the security, where there are millions of other blacks that are in much more perilous situations than you are because of the policies that you advocate for, yet you don't care about them. You only care about your death. I mean, some of these, some of these people can be the next doctor, the next engineer. Who knows? But your policies can get them killed, millions of them at a time. Millions of them, I wouldn't even say a year. I know the tens of thousands of them 
are involved in shootings and stuff. Thousands die a year. We all know this. The, black, the crimes and the shooting in the black community is out of control, mostly because the police have been defunded in all these Democrat urban centers. This is what them, this is what Cori Bush advocated for. Yet she sees fit to spend the money that they give to her in taxes on her own personal security. And this is a reason. This is another reason why I left the left because of things like this. Because I couldn't take it, I, I just couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take the hypocrisy, and I couldn't take the selfishness anymore. Anyway, um, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to take my last break. And then when I come back, we're going to wrap up this whole, this whole tyranny thing. Because there's a few things I need to speak to. Um, and it's going to segue into next week when I talk about why blacks need to divorce themselves, which probably won't happen for reasons I'll explain next week, but it's something that they need to do. They probably won't do it, but it's something they need to do. Anyway, let me take a break and I'll be back in about 10 minutes. You're listening to ABC on BTR. Hey, let's take a minute and meet Clark Kent, our Superman. Chief, believe me, you're in for a treat just as soon as Jimmy gets back here. Great Caesar's ghost. What's holding him up? You know I can't work without a good breakfast. Chief, Jimmy's bringing a box of Kellogg's Sugar Smacks. All the more reason for hurrying. Confounded, that boy knows I like those new Sugar Smacks. And he knows I do, too. That's a cinch. Well, here I am. Young man, if you spill those new Sugar Smacks, you're fired. Golly, Chief, I hadn't opened up the box yet. But I'm going to now. Well, I guess we all agree on Sugar Smacks. Right. Folks, don't wait. Get Kellogg's new Sugar Smacks. They're better than ever. Puffs of wheat, sugar toasted, and candy sweet. You bet. Just get Kellogg's Sugar Smacks, brand new. A Northwest Mountie, and he's been trailing this desperate character for three years. And I'm tired. Well, it's him or me. Uh-oh. He's got an aching head, an upset stomach, and an empty gun. What you need is some Alka-Seltzer. You know what they always say. Yeah, a Mountie always gets his man. Oh, no. I mean about Alka-Seltzer. Relief is just a swallow away. Well, down, 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 the stomach through, round, 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 the system too. With Alka-Seltzer, they always say, relief is just a swallow away. Bless that relief-giving Alka-Seltzer. For that headache and upset feeling, take Alka-Seltzer. Relief is just a swallow away. Hi, kids. Look at some delicious magic. With the extra good chocolate-flavored syrup, Bosco. Now watch. Take ice cream, spoon on extra rich, extra thick, extra chocolatey Bosco syrup. There's the best chocolate flavor you ever tasted. More Bosco magic. Cake, ice cream, topped with extra thick, extra chocolatey Bosco syrup. Try it. Bosco also makes milk chocolatey delicious. Tell mom to get Bosco chocolate-flavored syrup for you. Sing out. I love Bosco. It's rich in chocolate tea. Chocolate-flavored Bosco is mighty good for me. Mom 
Mama puts it in my milk for extra energy. Bosco gives me iron and sunshine vitamin D. Oh, I love Bosco. That's the drink for me. I'm a spaceman. The moon and sun and all the stars are great big to drop up. I'm a princess. Yes, my lord, it's a party tonight. We'll have to do a pop. All the kids in the neighborhood say to do a pop. The triple good, triple good. And do you know why? Sure. Because one, there's good tasting hard candy outside. And two, there's a delicious center of Tootsie Roll inside. And three, only Tootsie Roll Pops are such fun to eat. That's why they're triple good. And don't forget, Tootsie Roll Pops come in a party pack, too. Ten Pops and assorted flavors. There's a game on the back that's lots of fun to do. All of the kids in the neighborhood say Tootsie Roll Pops are triple good. Triple good. You'll love Tootsie Roll Pops. Hi, I'm Mike Wallace with a sensational shortening discovery for better baking and frying. It's Procter & Gamble's Golden Fluffo, the first all-new shortening in 40 years. It's rich. Its color is golden yellow. And what a pie it makes. Richer looking, better tasting, more appetizing. But let's hear what Mrs. Thelma Styra, Indiana State Fair baking champion, had to say about Fluffo. I love Fluffo. It makes such a golden brown pie. Oh, man, that's some apple pie. Well, Mr. Wallace, that's a prettier pie than I ever baked with plain white shortening. And look how flaky it is. This yellow Fluffo is such a short shortening. Makes pie crust so rich. Like cooking champions, get richer looking, better tasting, more appetizing results in everything you bake or fry. Get golden Fluffo. Yoo-hoo-hoo, I've got a Swiss cream sandwich for you. Crisp golden cookies, and in between, an extra thick. It's my pick. Filling of cream, dessert time, tea time. Don't miss Swiss. As the man around here, you can quote me on this. Yoo-hoo-hoo. It's Swiss cream sandwich for you, you, and you, a truly different cream sandwich. Swiss cream sandwich baked by Nabisco. The luscious, creamy fillings in a class by itself. No other like it. And these tempting vanilla cookies are so light they melt in your mouth. You, you, it's Swiss cream sandwich for you, you, and you, Swiss cream sandwich. Say, it's time for my favorite dance team, so let's look. Ah, a box of matches and a pack of old gold cigarettes. That's all you need, my friend. And you're enjoying the smoothest, mildest, tastiest cigarette ever created. A treat instead of a treatment. That's old gold cigarettes. Made by tobacco men, not medicine men. To give you the cigarette that treats you better in every way. Because in every way, it's a better cigarette. Good, huh? Yes, for a treat instead of a treatment. Get a pack or get a carton of old gold cigarettes. 
Right now, this is Dennis James reminding you to keep smoking old gold cigarettes. Thanks. Attention. To help carry on our important work, I want you to join the secret squadron and wear this official badge and have this secret decoder. Following each week's adventure, I'll send an important secret message, and only secret squadron members who have decoders can decode them. Also, later I'll tell you the simple rules for joining the secret squadron, but you must promise to do as I do. Keep yourself healthy and mentally alert, and drink Ovaltine every day. It's the official drink of the secret squadron. We Secret Squadron members know chocolate-flavored Ovaltine helps give us what we need for rocket power. Yes, just as a rocket adds thrust during takeoff, Ovaltine can add the kind of nourishment so important for rocket power. We drink Ovaltine hot for breakfast. Mmm, good, too. And cold for lunch and between meal snacks. And hot again at bedtime to help keep us revved up with rocket power. Believe me, Ovaltine's got what it takes to help you be a leader in your gang. So drink instant Ovaltine every day. The Gemini Space Flights. The trips are long. The training is hard, like this spacewalk practice. But the astronauts do some things you do. In space, they drank Tang. They mixed it like this in a zero-G pouch, because with no gravity, it would fly all over. You don't have that problem. You can mix it in a glass. Up there, they have to drink it carefully, this way. You can drink it any way you like. Tang tastes orangey. Tastes great has lots of vitamins C and A. Tang, chosen for the Gemini astronauts. Have a blast. Have some Tang. This man just showered with a new kind of soap. New Life Boy Mint Refresher. A soap so loaded with mint, so tangy, so frosty, it drives wives wicked. Every bar of new Life Boy Mint Refresher contains the essence of 125 mint leaves. Soap has never smelled this good before, and neither have you. New Life Boy Mint Refresher drives wives wicked. we broke and I said we're going to wrap up this thing about tyranny because honestly tyranny just doesn't have to come from the president not in this not in this society because remember we're a constitutional republic we're a representative republic we have things called state legislatures that are the liaisons between federal laws and us right the constitution governs the land state laws have to conform to the Constitution. That's what the Supreme Court is for. That's why SCOTUS is striking down a bunch of things that Democrats did because they're unconstitutional, especially on the state legislature end. This is what I said about uh, the Colorado and the 303 decision. But it doesn't really have to come from the federal government. Now, we know what Joe Biden's been doing. We, we know that he's been going after conservatives using the Department of Justice and the FBI. We know that Barack Obama had the FBI 
start up a phony, bogus um, investigation of Donald Trump using completely fabricated, using a completely fabricated document as an excuse to get a FISA warrant from a court to spy on Donald Trump. We know that we know that the federal government is trying to lock up Donald Trump for something that they let Hillary Clinton get away with. So we know we know they're doing all of this. But when you look at it on the state level, now, again, when you talk about tyranny, what does tyranny look like? Tyranny looks like Nancy Pelosi, and again, not state, this is federal, but tyranny looks like Nancy Pelosi openly advocating for a coronavirus lockdown during which she's caught getting her hair done at a hair salon by herself. She, she has her she has her hair salon. She calls in her hairdresser to this salon so that she can get her hair done during a lockdown. It looks like Gavin Newsom, tyranny looks like Gavin Newsom, forcefully locking down the, the entire state of California while he's out with a two, $300 a plate dinner with, I would think it's some donors or something like that, but he's done that. It looks like Gretchen Whitmer and I've got more to say about her, but it looks like Gretchen Whitmer from Michigan locking down Michigan during the coronavirus pandemic and then going out on a boating excursion and then trying to dog Samuel Alito for going on a fishing trip with somebody, which is not hardly illegal, yet going out violating your own coronavirus protocols that you set, that's illegal. You, you made going out illegal, and then you did it. That's illegal. This is what tyranny looks like, and this is what tyranny looks like coming from Democrats. It's Andrew, it's Andrew Cuomo um, forcing nursing homes to take these um, COVID patients knowing or not either not knowing or just straight ignoring the fact that old people are the most um, susceptible to death by COVID. Yet he's forcing these, he's forcing these um nursing homes to take these old people. This is what tyranny looks like against the wishes of the individual nursing homes and these private businesses. This is what tyranny looks like. Tyranny looks like AOC getting her panties up in a wad over this SCOTUS decision. And if you look at the look at my show notes, you'll see that I posted the link to a video that she made with Dana Bash on State of the Union, where she's literally calling in violation of Two different sections of the Constitution. She's calling for the impeachment of Supreme Court justices, which the Constitution says nothing about Supreme Court justices being able to be impeached. And she's looked and she says that the Supreme Court needs oversight. Who oversees the Supreme Court? Nobody. There's nothing in the Constitution that provides for oversight of the Supreme Court. Why? Because it's the Supreme Court. It's the, it's the Supreme Court of the nation. Nothing goes over it. On MSNBC, now I'll get back to the AOC in a minute, but on MSNBC, um, they're saying that the, the SCOTUS decisions need to be stricken from the record. So who's going to strike SCOTUS's decision from the record. What they say is final. Why? Because they are the Supreme Court. There is nothing over them. They are it. They are the top dog. So who is going to strike their decision from the record? I, I don't get it. And if you think that the three liberals on the court are going to strike 
those decisions after the majority of the court already ruled, then that means you don't understand how basic democracy works. But then again, this is MSLSD, so I don't really, I'm not really surprised at their lack of knowledge of how the democratic process works. Because these people, these are the same people who give a pass to the Democrats, knowing that the Democrats went around to different states, different state courts, to have the election laws change in violation of Article 2 of the Constitution, um, where was Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2, where it says the legislature shall um, so pick the time and choosing, uh, the time and place of the choosing of the electors. And then the media is the media's going around saying, well, that's a theory. No, it's not a theory. It's literally in the Constitution. Look it up. Bring it, boy. Democrat General Petraeus, yes, Defense Secretary, leaked confidential info. He did. And you have a bunch of people who literally leaked confidential info to people who weren't supposed to have it. Petraeus did. Um, Milley did. Attorney General Barr did. Um, Attorney General Mary Garland did. You have all of these swamp rats around here that's giving um, classified information about Ukraine and and Iran and stuff to people who aren't supposed to have it. And even Joe Biden, with his weak old sickly ass, he he's walking around now with boxes and boxes of information on Ukraine sitting in his garage, sitting in his office, sitting in the University of Pennsylvania, and who knows where else. Yet he's not under investigation. So what's you know what's really going on here? This is what tyranny looks like. This is what the police state looks like. The police state looks like a president who sticks the FBI and the rest of the DOJ and the IRS because when Matt Taibbi brought out this thing, brought out the whole thing about the Twitter files, when Matt Taibbi dropped the Twitter files, Congress, led by Democrats, actually sent the IRS to Taibbi's house to go harass him. It's just that he wasn't at home that day. He was testifying that day that they showed up at his house. He was literally testifying at Congress. So what's really going on here? We have Kathy Hochul, Democrat from Democrat governor of New York, when the SCOTUS, when the, I think it was the Bruin decision that came down about the about um, concealed carry that struck down state laws restricting concealed carry, Kathy Hochul says she doesn't give it rats behind what SCOTUS says. She's going to pass her own laws restricting where firearms can be carried in her state in direct violation of Constitution. We have Joe Biden now saying that Forget what SCOTUS decided on federal student loans, the fact that it's the fact that it's unconstitutional. I'm going to draft legislation that um that protects um student loan borrowers, which violates the constitution on two fronts. One, it violates um he's trying to usurp the power of the purse from Congress, and then two, it's a separation of powers issue. So he's violating on, on two different fronts. And nobody, nobody's calling them to the table on you. And you can't expect the media to do it. The media is in the Democrats' pocket. They're, they're, they're like Pravda. They're like, they're, they're state-run media as, as it is now. CBS News, ABC News, NPR's already been labeled on Twitter as state-run media. I wish they'd get on the ball and get MSNBC and MSLSD and Chicken Noodle News and all these other networks, they need to start labeling them as state-run media too. Why? Because, and this is another thing that tyranny looks like, 
government officials have been leaving government, and after they leave government, they go work for these news outlets. They go work for these social media companies. And since the large majority, the large swath of them that are leaving are Democrats, they use that position to push the Democrat narrative. Now, you have Democrats in office. You have Democrats all over government. You have Democrats in the news and Democrats, Democrat activists and Democrats in social media. And you wonder why conservatives are being demonized across the country the way they are. You wonder why conservatives can't get a fair shake. Well, that's why. It's because the Democrats have set themselves up to control every facet of information, whether it be radio, whether it be like music and and Hollywood and the news and every facet of pop culture the Democrats have injected themselves into. And now they're wondering why, why the country looks the way it looks. Because you have all of these policies being put forth. The democracy now is, yeah, exactly. PBS or NPR. Democracy now, oh my God. Let me tell you about democracy now. Democracy now is to the left of mousy tongue. I made the mistake of watching democracy now. I didn't even watch it. Like I was flipping channels like, oh, democracy now. Let me see what they're talking about. These people, they, their love of defund the police knows no bounds, and they don't understand how dangerous that is to the black community. But what they say is defund the police for the safety of blacks when defunding the police is contradictory to the safety of blacks, and they don't understand that. NPR is funny because NPR literally had a meltdown when um, Elon Musk, State-run state run media label on them on Twitter. They literally wanted to quit. I don't. I think they quit since then. But the point still stands. You can't have government and former government officials lodging, embedding themselves into media outlets and not have them be labeled as state-run media. That's what should happen to CNN and especially MSNBC. Why? Because um, they're hiring a lot of these, like John Brennan, they have James Comey, even George Stephanopoulos, I think it was like ABC News or something like that. So anytime you have these government people um, lodging themselves, embedding themselves into these news outlets, they are now officially state-run media. Bring a boy. Obama, Obama amended the Smith, yeah, he did in 2012 to allow government to use propaganda in the U S he sure did. And that was one of the things that flew, that really flew under the radar. And he also, um, I think he also changed section 230 to allow, um, I think he changed 230 to allow government um, officials to be able to work in the social media in social media things. And, um, make sure that because I know government attorneys have worked in, um, have worked with social media companies to make sure that they do things that don't label them editors and still um, still you know I'm trying to say censor conservative content and that's really what they were there for that's what the Twitter files brought out so again a lot of these things whether and 
I don't know whether to talk about that next week or the week after, but a lot of these things that you're seeing now can be traced directly back to Obama. So you're absolutely right, bringing uh, bringing it, boy. You're absolutely right. A lot of these things can be attributed to Barack Obama. Barack Obama, and again, I'm a, and I'm a, I'm going to leave with this, but Barack Obama was the tyrant of tyrants. And you could tell by his scandal-plagued career. He's the most scandal-plagued president that was ever in the White House. Joe Biden may be the worst, but Obama definitely had the most scandal underneath him. He had Solyndra. He had well, – he didn't have Enron, but he had Solyndra, Uranium One, Fast and Furious, Spygate. Um, Let's see, Solyndra, Uranium One, Fast and Furious, Benghazi, Spygate. That's at least five that I can think of. And I think there are like one or two others. All of these scandals have are under Obama's belt, yet they're still protecting him, calling him they're they're hailing him as the second coming of God, the second coming of Jesus, this man. But he's the most scandal plagued president in history, in the history of this country. But Joe Biden is definitely the worst. I mean, here we have a man who is using his Department of Justice to go after anybody who politically criticizes him. That hasn't happened since Joseph Stalin. Hell, Mikhail Gorbachev had to come in and change all kinds of laws to prevent that stuff from happening in Russia. Glasnost and uh, Perestroika. Those are those were his. And despite what you may think about the results of those, Russia was better under Gorbachev than it was under Lenin and Stalin. I mean, anybody will say that. So it is what it is. Anyway, um, I'm going to go. But I just want to say that the country is not – It's we've never been to a point where we're unrecoverable. Even under Carter, that idiot, um, Reagan brought us back from the disaster that was Carter. So if Reagan can bring us back from Carter, if we can – come back after a civil war i'm pretty sure we'll make it through this it's just that there's this there's this cancer that's occupying the white house it's a drug fueled drug induced cancer we need to we need to get that we need to get that cancer out of the white house we need to put somebody in that is all about america and america first now we don't have to go complete isolationist, but, um, you know, America first policies work. We had four years of America first policy working. To contrast, the last few years was not America first, and you see where we are now. So you can't, you can't deny the effectiveness of the America first policy. We just need to get that back. Um, but we need somebody in there who's going to clean house, as it were. Somebody who's going to get in there and, again, like Bongino says, he fires a thousand. And then when they start crying, when they start crying, he fires a thousand more, fires a thousand more. Because we need to get to a place where these people that are, that are infecting, again, bureaucracy. The bureaucracy, Mark Levin calls bureaucracy the fourth arm of the government, and they are. The bureaucracy needs to go. And we need people who believe in this country and the stars and bars and in the, and our national anthem and our pledge of allegiance. 
in government positions because what good is serving in a government and you hate this country? Right, AOC? Right, Cori Bush? Right, Ilhan Omar? Right, Rashida Tlaib? Right, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, the list goes on and on. None of these people love none of these people love America yet they're in American government. It blows my mind. Um we need to get we need to vote we need to vote those people out. The president that we put in needs to pledge to us, first of all, before we even vote to them, they need to pledge to us whether they're committed to firing this bureaucracy or explain why not. Just like Vivek Ramaswamy said, hey, you either support Trump in this impeach, uh, in this fight against this impeachment effort or explain why not. And Vivek Ramaswamy is right, and I hope he gets a lot more followers behind that because you can't look at what's going on with Donald Trump and the tyranny that's happening to him just because he had the audacity to beat their great white hope, Hillary Clinton. You can't look at what's going on with Donald Trump and think that this is in any way, shape, or form just. So, again, we need we need to pick ourselves up, and we need to vote in people that understand what's going on in this country and have to have the gumption to end it. But that's it. Next week, again, I'm going to I'm going to get into why blacks and really other minorities but mostly blacks because blacks vote overwhelmingly i'm talking about 85 to 95 percent for the democrat party in every election let's kick itself over um in every election and they need to stop it and they need a divorce from this democrat party because i just want to say that republicans may not be the solution to all of their problems but the democrats are definitely the cause like jeff Gino says that and i believe it the democrats are the cause of all of their problems and if you look and i'm going to bring i'll bring the receipts i'll bring the statistics from these crime rated cities i'll bring the rankings where these different cities and these different neighborhoods rank on the grand scheme of things and i'll put it together where the democrats are actually facilitating all of this so that's what i'm going to do the Black people really need to divorce the Democrat Party, and they need to do it post-haste or else whittling themselves down to 12.5% of the population is only the beginning. There's nothing good that's going to come of this. So that's it. Thanks for listening. I will see you next week. Come back. Oh, next week. make something great of yourself.